0: Live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH because here we go... Welcome to an all-new edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is happening, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M. Joining me in studio, as always, you know him. He is the co-host, His name is Padawan Jay. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to talk about in the land of movies, TV, comics, and more. You are tuned in to the entertainment edition of the ODPH, and we definitely want to interact with you. So make sure to swing on over to odphpodcast.com. Join the conversation on our social media accounts. They're all right there on the front page. It's easy. We talk to everybody. Also, check out Parlay Points. New blogs dropping this week. The T Public Store. No better time to go get some swag than right now. Check out the classifies, the directory. Anything and everything that is the ODPH can be found at odphpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPHpod on social media. Kicking off the Entertainment Edition, we have to recap the events of a seasonal event in the entertainment industry. Yes. This happens quite often on the major networks, major studios. At least once a year, usually around the same time of year. Dates vary. Yes. And that is the Upfront series. Yep. And, Pad, what, how would you describe the Upfront series?
1: Upfront series is basically, you know, the television studios or the powers that be. You know, it might be a, it might be simply simple as CBS or, you know, in this case, it'd be Viacom or whoever owns CBS. You know, putting on a presentation of everything they own, of what they've got. You know, stuff returning, mm-hmm. stuff that's going to be premiering this fall, stuff to look forward to. And it's basically a selling point for advertisers to say hey here's why you should you know put your money with us on our show here's what we're because a lot of you can't just put any old ad on any television show right you know if you're selling you know some new some new craftsman uh you know a hammer you're not going to put it on you know an episode of sesame street like you you need to do it where it makes sense and you need, oh there's a new there's a new documentary coming out on ESPN this fall. Oh, there are a lot of people going to be tuning into that. Why don't we put it with that? You know, it's, it's basically a way to show uh, advertisers and, and folks investing money. Like, Hey, here's why, here's what we're coming out with. This is why you should be interested. And it's also a good look for us, the fans, you know, of these networks and of these television shows, to, you know, and properties to go, Ooh, I'm, I'm excited for that, you know, cause they'll announce stuff. They'll confirm stuff. And, um, I'll, be, I'll oftentimes make some surprises. Absolutely.
0: So, When Disney decided to unveil their Upfront series, we definitely had to go take a look because obviously there is a lot of buzz coming around the properties of the MCU, Mm -hmm. Star Wars universe, and a few others. So we decided to go take a deep dive into what they were announcing and really kind of see how the rest of the summer is shaping up because this kind of does lead us into what we should be expecting in the fall. And, I mean, obviously, when we're talking MCU and we're talking Star Wars, mm-hmm. there's a lot of news that was getting, you know, little yeah. little hype behind it here. But there's a lot that if you really deep dive into, you got to really pay attention. To what's oh, coming yeah. So, Pad, why don't you kick off our coverage of it? Disney up front.
1: Yeah, so Disney obviously had a lot to talk about. Not everything we'll get to just because Disney owns a fair few number of things. You yeah. Know, ESPN, ABC, you know, we mentioned on the sports show yesterday, ESPN's getting the broadcast rights to the XFL. You know, they hyped up some of their other sports stuff. You know, But the main one, or the first one we want to get to, is they did, uh, with Walt Disney Studios, they had President Sean Bailey uh, share some and talk a little bit about some of their upcoming films. Uh, he did give an early glimpse uh, into the film in, uh, Disenchanted, which of course is the sequel to the film Enchanted, which was starring Amy Adams. Good movie. I've only recently seen it, so I finally crossed that one off the old
0: list. Good movie. Mm.
1: Uh, so I'm a lot of people excited for that. Another one he showed a clip for that I know a lot of folks, myself, are included for, Hocus Pocus 2.
0: Yeah, this surprised me. Like, I, I kept hearing about they were going to do a sequel to this, and I honestly just kind of forgot about it. Well, it's
1: been one of those things that, like, with this, there have always been posters going around on social media of another Saw movie. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's other one. I know there's other ones, but I'm blanking on them at the moment. But for years, there has always been a quote-unquote hocus pocus two poster coming in oh it's coming this fall and like i'd see it and go all right at this point there'd have to be a trailer and there's not one so they're not doing it but no they're finally doing it uh it will of course uh it's a long awaited sequel to the original it's a halloween themed movie obviously uh starring sarah jessica parker bett midler and kathy uh najimi i've seen the movie i love the movie my girlfriend loves the movie we're super excited to see this No, a lot of folks are too and and hopefully it recaptures that fun and spirit of the first movie
0: I mean, you're going to have to, but like you say, it's been so long since yeah. the, the first one. Yeah. It, it does kind of scare you a little bit that when you try capturing the magic—no mm-hmm. pun intended. Yeah. Sometimes it works, yeah. and sometimes it seems yeah. like it's Avatar. Yeah. In my opinion. <laughs> yeah.
1: Uh, the uh, Bailey did go on to say, "Quote: We have roughly 35 films for Disney Plus in active three production, uh, three production, and post production." Uh, but that's just a tiny look at what's coming from uh, from us plus our corner of our corner of the business. Uh, so that was kind of all there was with the uh, Walt Disney Studios side of things. And then we get into the Marvel stuff.
0: Yeah, this is the stuff that definitely caught my eye.
1: Uh-huh. So, uh huh. So they did have, and I'm reading uh, from an article over at Variety.com, uh, which reads: Marvel Studios boss Kevin Feige noted that prior to the box office launch of Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, viewership of the previous Doctor Strange films. And the TV shows that led into this movie, including the WandaVision, tripled, which, no surprise.
0: No surprise there. I mean, obviously, with how much hype was around Doctor Strange 2, we knew, as fans, you had to go back and catch up. Because there was, allegedly at the time, before we saw the movie, Mm -hmm. so many possible Easter eggs they could have gone with. You wanted to make sure you caught everything. And it's good to do the rewatch, because especially with Wanda's story, what if, and spider-man no way home right you definitely want to keep track of that and especially the original doctor strange because let's face it we've seen him in the avengers but a lot of times when you have those team-up books Mm -hmm. you kind of forget certain elements of a character sure so it was cool to go back and refresh and then obviously doctor strange too huge success at the box office just crossed like 700 million dollars worldwide yeah and for anybody that's complaining about the steep drop off the following week quote unquote listen they made their money it 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 wasn't gonna stay there forever, folks. No. Like, let's be honest about Not it. Not
1: everything is gonna do endgame and infinity war numbers. Yeah, exactly. Sorry. Uh Feige did go on to say, quote, We're finally seeing the results of this interconnectivity between Disney uh Disney and the Disney Plus and the feature films leading up to the theatrical release just the other week of Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness on May sixth. Uh, he did go on to say Loki, surprisingly, was the most watched Marvel series on Disney Plus, and it's also the first ever to receive a second season. Uh, he did go on to say production on season two starts in a few weeks with the entire cast returning. couple quick things from that. Alligator Loki's coming back, confirmed.
0: Well, yeah, I'm down for that. I am actually surprised it's the most watched.
1: I am too, to a degree. Like, I know the Tom Hiddleston fans are large and uh, rabid. Yes. You know, they're, they're, they can be slightly crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. But the fact that, like, out of everything that came out on Disney Plus for the Marvel uh, Studios, Loki being number one overall is very surprising.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, it was a fantastic show. Don't get me wrong. I honestly thought it was WandaVision for the amount... Uh, of yeah. of pop culture takeover, it did. Yeah, and and for that time period, you we have to remember. I know we're light years away from it, so to speak, but you have to remember during that time. That took over everything.
1: Mm. And, and I thought it, WandaVision would have been first as well. Now, don't get me wrong. I figured Loki would have been top three just because of Hiddleston alone. Oh, sure, yeah. But I would have figured given the whole, and I don't want to spoil it in case anyone hasn't seen it yet, the whole little plot twist with a certain someone showing up, you know, partway through the series... Mm-hmm. I thought that really would have driven it and boosted up the numbers with a lot of people who might have been, you know, waiting to watch and oh, you know what? I've got eight, you know, X number of shows I got to watch before I get to that one. No, you know, I'll just wait and watch it when I can finally get to it. You know, I figured that like that moment and that moment buzzing around would be like, all right, no wait, I got to put these other shows in the back burner and see what the heck is going on with
0: this. Yeah, exactly. So seeing that that's the Korean Reigning King, mm-hmm. that's that's very interesting. And I mean, obviously for season 2, that was expected. I mean, the only thing you could say is Falcon and Winter Soldier, we do know that was going to have something. Yeah. But we just weren't sure what. And WandaVision, listen, anybody that's expecting a season two, I'm sorry.
1: They were very upfront at the beginning and said, listen, there's not going to be a season two because season two is what happens in Doctor Strange 2.
0: Yeah, exactly. So anybody that was holding breath for that, it, it doesn't happen. There, you can look back through the history of the time in the comics. Right. Scarlet Witch and Vision are team players. They're not the franchise solo stars. No, there's nothing wrong with that. They might be for a cup of tea, but not for anything super sure. Extended. Limited series here and there. Absolutely, yeah. that yeah, makes yeah. perfect sense. But yeah. not, but I mean, what else were you going to do for a sequel? Like I mean, honestly. Well, like, well
1: and plus it's like I just got done reading Avengers vs X Men for the first time. Wanda doesn't even show up for like half of the trade paperback.
0: Yeah, exactly. So there's only so much you can do with her. As a solo star, mm-hmm. like, but she's tied into so many big stories in the MCU comics universe. That is, that yeah, she you'll definitely see her back again. There's no question oh, of yeah. that. Oh, yeah. But as far as a solo show, I don't think it's necessary, I don't think it's warranted either. So right. we'll see what happens.
1: Uh, Samuel L. Jackson was there, and he of course is returning as Nick Fury and going to star in the series Secret Invasion. Uh, the Variety article says it's a spy thriller featuring a very different version of the character. Uh, Jackson did go on to say, quote, it's truly amazing to finally come to a place that we can tell a story about a theory that goes back to the roots of who he is and his dark world, close quote. Boy, there's not much to go on with that, but I'm still super excited for that show.
0: I am very excited about this, especially if they go back into like the real spy element of Nick Fury, mm-hmm. because I, I think in the most recent versions we've seen him in, yeah, it's not been fury like he's been great don't get me wrong right but i'm used to like him in the comics doing so much covert stuff and Mm -hmm. i think my favorite interpretation of him has been with the winter soldier right so that being said give me that really dark gritty undercover espionage world Mm -hmm. bring that to life and then let's see where we go from here because obviously they're going to take some chances with secret invasion they're going to do some different things I think it's going to stray from what we've seen in the comics, the initial run of Secret Invasion. Right. And I think we got to get ready for what it's going to be and how this version of S.H.I.E.L.D. is going to be. Because I know that we're hearing a lot of speculation. Chloe Bennett's coming back as Quake right? from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Right. Now, is it going to be the same version? We don't know. But just the fact that they're going to try bringing more elements from the comic in there, I'm perfectly fine with it. If and they
1: bring anything else in from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., shotgun X, please.
0: Exactly. We need that in there. I just want my Coulson cameo in there for reasons. Mm Mm-hmm give it to me uh
1: also they talked about echo a, a new mcu series starring uh, uh alaqua cox which has begun production uh it is shooting currently shooting down in atlanta and is expected to uh, debut on disney plus sometime in 2023 uh did get a slight cast list put out for the show although notably absent uh one vincent d'onofrio not on the cast list but you got to figure he's going to show up at some point
0: he's going to be in there trust us And I think they're being very coy about releasing the cast list because you're Mm going to, in in our opinions, I think you can definitely agree on this. This is going to be the gateway for the Netflix characters Mm -hmm. to segue into the MCU. Oh, yeah. So stay tuned for that.
1: <laughs> yep. Uh, they also uh, talked about She-Hulk Attorney at Law, which is the official official title for the upcoming She-Hulk series, which will star Tatiana Maslany. Uh, she appeared to discuss the show and show the trailer, which we'll get to in the next segment. Mm-hmm. Super excited for this. Uh, I shared the poster on my personal Facebook the other day, and my girlfriend, who's like 50-50 on the Marvel stuff, sometimes she'll see it, sometimes she won't, saw the poster for that, and she goes, I'm all in for this.
0: Yeah, this show is going to be great. I know we'll talk about the trailer next segment, but this definitely gave a good test to see about where it was going to be kind of shaping up and where it was going to fit into the MCU. I'm all in for it, too, as well, like an early spoiler for next segment, but... Definitely impressed with what I saw.
1: Yeah, no, I am too. And that was kind of all there was for the Marvel stuff. Nothing really from the Star Wars folks uh, during this uh, during this upfront. Up, but <laughs> it's because they gave away most of their uh, secrets and their exclusives in the Vanity Fair article that came out the day prior or was posted online the day prior. It doesn't hit newsstands until I think maybe next week. Uh, but we'll talk about that or I'll talk about that in uh, one shots.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of news coming out from that too. I mean, we did get the early release time frame for the Mandalorian season three. Yeah. Uh-huh. Excited about that. And just the whole lineup coming out. I mean, it's always a big deal when vanity fair is covering them. So definitely make plans to pick that issue up. Mm-hmm. And overall, I thought that the media day did what it needed to. Yeah. I mean, kicked off. Do we say upfront season?
1: Yeah. Kind of. Cause it's, you know, it's kind of the time of year where they'll do one, you know, CBS Viacom will do one. You know, NBC Universal do one. Like all the major networks will do one. So it'll be super exciting to to see what happens.
0: Yeah, when it all kind of shapes up. I'm really interested to see how this all you know really filters out because there's so many networks now competing for everybody's attention. And not to say that this hasn't been a big deal in the past. Right. But you have to think, especially the one that I think a lot more eyes are going to be on this year. Mm-hmm. Is the Warner Brothers Discovery? Is that the official name of the? Yes, group that, now? yeah, that's the name of the group. Okay, so I think that that one is going to have a lot of buzz coming out. There's from a it. lot
1: of going to be a lot of eyes on that one. Mm-hmm.
0: I think so, and I think that it'll be interesting to see about how they shape up in comparison to Disney, because obviously Disney is the one that was really moving the needle with everything. Mm-hmm. Not to say that everybody else wasn't doesn't have big announcements, because they do
1: people are interested in Disney but I think from like an entertainment industry standpoint of things I think a lot more people are interested in the Warner Brothers Discovery one simply because 44 billion dollars were put out to buy Warner Brothers yeah so there's a lot of money so they're very and there's a lot of hearsay and a lot of rumors going around you know I I read a rumor the other day that whoever is in charge of Warner Brothers Discovery now wants a setup similar to how Disney run things yeah we're like it, you've got the one person at the head. So for Disney, it's Bob Chapek. Mm-hmm. but then you've got kind of like the split divisions where it's like, you've got the studios and you've got the theme park heads and this, this, and that. so like, there's Kevin Feige. Who's the head of the Marvel stuff. There's Kathleen Kennedy. Who's the head of the Lucasfilm stuff. You know, there's the gentleman I mentioned in charge of Walt Disney Studios. So like they want a similar setup to that for the Warner brothers discovery side of things. Nothing's been officially confirmed, but that's been the rumor. There's so many rumors. And the only thing I think we know for concrete certainty is, is that at some point down the road Discovery Plus and HBO Max will be merged into one. Past that, we don't know jack all about this merger.
0: No, we don't. So
1: you got to figure a lot of questions and a lot of, you know, explanations are going to be given at their upfront.
0: Agreed. I think it's there and the one other one too which not a lot of people might be focusing on, yeah. but I think it's one that we might want to keep our eyes on too is the CW one. Oh, yeah, because obviously Whatever Warner Brothers Discovery is planning for that is going to impact them, and I think that for the fate of the Arrowverse, quote unquote, right, I think that that's going to have a big factor in plans because if they start shifting more programming, and this is only speculation too, I'll right, stress. right, but if they start moving more programming to HBO Max, and then they still will have a presence on the CW. There's no question about that. Well, but
1: and and the tricky thing with CW is it's not just Warner Brothers; it's CBS. Mm -hmm. It's CBS as well. So there's two media companies involved with this, and at least one of them—I can't remember which one—whether it was CBS or it was Warner Brothers. At least one of them was looking at selling off their stake in in the in the in the channel. Yeah. You know, so things are getting obviously shaken up in a very big way at CW. You know, we talked about all the. uh arrow or the the Arrowverse stuff that got canceled and stuff keeps getting canceled from over there you know legacies i know on cw just got canceled mm-hmm. you know 4400 got canceled over on cw you know roswell new mexico got canceled uh what was it they uh i know they also canceled the dynasty uh tv series they got going on like there was a, like they, they already canceled like six or seven things like yeah. a, like a week or two ago whatever it was and then they turned around like a day or two ago, and was like, oh, hey, here's like four more things we're canceling.
0: Yeah, they went Red Wedding. That's the easiest way to describe it. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they did. So that's why I say, and I think this is all stemming from Warner Brothers Discovery, who are taking a little playbook from Disney Plus, and this is why we say, this is why we let off with the Disney stuff. Yeah. Because, love it or hate it, Disney is the pace car. Mm -hmm. Disney is everybody's benchmark for trying to hit. Yeah. Because they have been so successful on their streamings, in their movies, everything that now you're seeing more people trying to copy that philosophy. Yeah. And especially for Warner Brothers Discovery, which, I mean, we haven't really started to see the fruition of what that deal is going to be. It is going to be big once they get rolling. Oh, yeah. And to see if they're going to be copying a lot of what Disney is doing, especially with the streaming service and especially with CW. Not saying the CW is going anywhere, but I could see it changing. I could, I could, too. And especially with the Arrowverse. And, I mean, obviously, that's been a change of a lot of things, too. Yeah. Say what you will about yeah. Legends of Tomorrow and, and Batwoman. It was good for their time. Yeah, exactly. Legends, I think, just ran out of steam. Yeah. I mean, American Doctor Who until it went really left field all kind of crazy and let's just be, you know, yeah. really wacky yeah. show, which, like, listen. If it was your cup of tea, that's fine. Exactly. I don't hate on anybody for watching or staying with it. I just yeah. I, I started tuning out because it just lost my attention. Batwoman went through a lot of transition during its history. Oh, yeah. oh and I, yeah. And I thought season two ended pretty good. Season three, a little mixed on you know what I thought of it. I thought they did yeah. some things good. I thought they did some things That's really fine. bad. But like I say, I'm not super shocked at those. The Flash is running on borrowed time. Let's I, be honest. No, they
1: are. I think this next season will be their last.
0: Yeah, I think they're going to go Arrow and do a half season and call it a day. Yeah. And there's no shame in that. There's nothing wrong with that. I just think that. At this stage, especially with how they've handled the rogues gallery, Mm -hmm. and if you're a long-time listener, you know I'm very critical about this, I think that they could have done a lot more with some different characters and sustained it. Oh, I agree. But they went a different route, and listen, that's what they want to do. Oh, I I agree. But I think that for where they're going to end up, I mean, you have to acknowledge... The track record
1: right and i and i think the writing is on the wall if you kind of just read the tea leaves and you just kind of look at it and connect the dots with where the Arrowverse is and where it's going and i think it's going to quickly come to an end simply yeah. because yes technically superman and lois is still on tv and yes technically it is a part of the Arrowverse because it's spun off of supergirl yeah which was in that same universe but here's the thing i would say you know we've we haven't really done a major crossover since Crisis on Infinite Earths. Yeah, there was the mini one with Armageddon at the beginning yeah, part if you of the season. Count that, but. but that was kind of like a half crossover, you know. But what was noticeably absent from that crossover, quote unquote, with the first half of the season of Flash, or should I say, who was absent? Clark, yeah. Superman. There was no Superman during. Kara was there, and, and some of the folks from, you know, the Supergirl show were there.
0: Yeah, but... But
1: there was no Lois, there was no Jonathan, there was no Jordan, there was no Clark, there was no mention of them. There was no glimpse of them. Mm-hmm small superman and lois is now in its second season season and a half if you want to get technical with it you know it's in its second full season and they have yet to do anything or even acknowledge even it goes so far as to acknowledge his cousin yeah it might have gotten a mention but like Kara has yet to show up on the show and you figured she would have at least popped in for a episode where it made sense oh sure absolutely but i think the fact that they are not doing that really shows you the where the writing is on the wall for the arrow versus television shows mm-hmm. and that their time is quickly coming to an end
0: yeah and there's no shame in it either like they have no. great, they have a great legacy and obviously when it's the final bell for that we'll definitely be talking about that on the show
1: well and that's the thing is like you know i never want a show i i enjoy to run on for too long that i feel like they're running it into the ground and, mm-hmm. and i with arrow and flash and, and some of the I haven't felt that yet. Like, Flash, it's feeling long in the tooth, but I don't feel they're running it into the ground yet. If they keep going past this upcoming season, I might I might start to feel that way.
2: Yeah, see. but But
1: that's the thing, you know, like with Smallville. Smallville went for 10 seasons, which is a long time, but they kept it fresh enough and they kept the story moving forward enough that it didn't feel like, oh, hey, we just did a season that, that took place in the span of six months on the show. Mm-hmm. It went forward enough and they did enough. That it felt fresh and it didn't feel... By the time it ended, I was like, all right, that was a good ending.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just... It's tricky to have that longevity in television. Oh, yeah. That's the problem. Oh, yeah. And for The Flash, I mean, for the and I mean, it's going to be a changing ever environment. I mean, for them... And obviously, if they want to transition to Superman and Lois and make that self-contained, that's not a problem that's either. That's fine. We do know that there's at least one more DC-related show that's coming to the CW. Love it or hate it, it's Gotham Knights. Oh, yeah. Whenever, yeah. Whatever, whatever that's going to finally wind up being right. in its interpretation. I know I've kind of heard a couple different things, and I'm waiting to see the first trailer before I make a judgment on no, it. No, I am too. So that all said... They're taking a playbook out of Disney, I think, for Warner Brothers Discovery. It says they want to cancel and, and go to a different route. They're going to follow what the MCU has done here because it's been successful for Disney on all fronts. Mm-hmm. Whether it's Star Wars, whether it's the MCU, whether it's the other properties they have. And that is why this up front is so important. Oh, yeah. Because everybody is watching what Disney's doing. You might see that ripple effect like in the water mm-hmm. of how their moves, other people are going to start copying. Oh, yeah. And then we go from there into a very very interesting 2022.
3: See, I
1: think the only things that really came out of the whole Disney thing was uh, I know Family Guy got renewed for another season and so did Simpsons.
0: Yeah. Which Which is no surprise. No surprise, but man, I still can't believe Simpsons. Is Simpsons, on
1: this I think it's season 34, oh. I think. I think 34 and Family Guy got renewed for season 21.
0: Man, that's a lot of time. Uh-huh. That's a lot of tread on the tires as we talk about. But when you're Disney, you can pull that off. So that all being said, ODPH Society, hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What is your takeaways from Disney Upfront 2022? What stands out to you? What does not? Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
3: Hello, everyone. My name is Nick. I'm the host of Nikolai's Kitchen, and I'm also the host of the annual live stream for The Cure.
0: Coming back for a second segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And we have to break down probably the highlight, Mm -hmm. to us anyway, Yes, from Disney Upfront 2022. And that is we got the first trailer for the She-Hulk Attorney at Law series coming to Disney Plus August 17th. Mm -hmm. And as Pat alluded to earlier, Tatiana Maslany is playing Jennifer Walters, a.k.a. She-Hulk. And this one has got a lot of hype behind it. Yes. Very excited to see what they're going to do because She-Hulk is always an interesting character in the comics. Mm-hmm. Has had some legendary runs by John Byrne, amongst others. And to see what we're going to have with this show, I think they're going to really play to the strengths. We might have a little fourth wall break-in that happen as well. Probably. They're going to do a lot of fun things here. So let us break down the first trailer for She-Hulk Attorney-in-Law. So, pad. Let's lead it off. Yeah. So the,
1: uh, the trailer opens up. You got a skyline of, I presume, it's New York City. Yes. Uh, and you hear Bruce Banner's uh, Bruce Banner's voiceover saying, "Being a superhero is a tra- is a trial by fire. You know, who's going to protect the world if not people like you? You know. And there's this whole while he's talking, there's some action sequences. You know, there's a room uh, like a banquet hall of some sort you know red light kicks in kicks on so clearly it's like some sort of like security protocol people are freaking out a little bit you then see some guys with like some crowbars and some guns you know standing there you got a shot of an suv or a minivan rolling over and down a hill but then we see the one and only Uh, She-Hulk jump in, and I would presume like an Avengers workout type of suit. It looks like the time travel suit, but it's not the time travel suit. She's standing there. She's hulked out, and she just, before you can see the face, turns towards you, and it cuts to the Marvel Studios logo, which uh, wonderfully turns Mm -hmm. green.
0: Yes, they were very smart about this, too. And obviously this kind of plays into her origins of the story, because if you're not familiar with it, she gets a blood transfusion from her cousin, mm-hmm. the one and only Bruce Banner, yep. a.k.a. the Incredible Hulk. And she does get a version of the powers of mm-hmm. the Hulk. So I think that the car crash might be explaining how she needs a blood tra- or transfusion.
1: That makes a lot of sense.
0: So that's where I'm kind of thinking we're seeing a little bit of that origin happen. Could there. be. And then back to the trailer we go, and we see Jennifer Walters going into, uh, talking to some of her friends. Yeah. So we're seeing a lot of the side cast that is yep. going to emerge throughout the show yep and we do see her going into a building of sorts mm-hmm. not exactly sure where per se yeah. just yet but we do hear that she is going to be taking over a certain kind of uh job shall we say yeah and that is they're starting a superhuman law division uh-huh. of where she works uh-huh and she has been asked to be the uh head of it yep so that is something that's going to be kind of interesting to play, and I think this will be very different than what we've seen in the MCU thus far. Mm-hmm. And then the first client we see, <laughs> Pad, who do we see returning to the MCU? Tim Roth, aka Abomination. Yes. Oh boy. So he's in a containment suit and or containment unit, and we're just kind of like trying to figure out what's going on here.
1: Well, all I know is he's got a smarmy smirk on his face, and he's just doing the you know the finger gunpoint like, "How you doing? Yeah, well, so- good to see you."
0: And I think that's going to completely play into it, because obviously the Abomination is a long-time Hulk villain. Uh-huh. It hasn't, I, To my knowledge, hasn't had too much interaction in the comics with She-Hulk. There might have been a run in here or there, but, but nothing major. But there could be. I mean, the She-Hulk has been around for quite some time. Right. Yeah, I mean, obviously, in the 1980s, she was first in the Savage She-Hulk yep. comic, and then it's kind of spawned from there. And obviously you've been a member of the Avengers, the Fantastic Four, uh, throughout the history of time, amongst other groups as well. So, it could have had a run in at some point, probably. So that being said, we go back to the trailer, and we do see that she is getting some coaching from who? Pad? Uh,
1: the one and only Bruce Banner, her cousin, who is I like the I like the thing I saw in an article today. Somebody was talking to Bruce, uh, not Bruce Banner. They were talking to Mark Ruffalo about the trailer, and he called it a passing of the
0: Banner oh love it loved it love it so we do see that he's trying to teach her ways to stay calm Mm -hmm. because now he's in that professor hulk mode
1: yeah so this is even more confusing because presumably this is the most recent thing to take place in the timeline we're not jumping around and doing bouncing around like you know you might expect and the last we saw we hadn't seen him And, and if i remember right there was something about him having issues with professor hulk
0: yeah, there's the, something about that. There's something going on there that they haven't really clarified yeah. what's going on. I think what's most notably is we don't see him in the cast anymore, and he looks like he's finally healed up from yeah. the uh-huh. events of it, uh, Endgame. Uh-huh. So, which is you would figure would happen at yeah. some point yeah. because well, the Hulk does have a very unique healing factor. I mean, he's got yeah. radiation, so I mean yeah. that's what he kind of does. Yeah, and then you see him kind of testing out Jen's power, so to speak, uh, trial by fire, if you will. Because she is in a containment unit of her own. Uh-huh. And basically, Mark, I mean, sorry, Bruce is saying, Well, your powers are triggered by anger and fear. Uh, and Jennifer
1: goes, Those are like the baseline of any woman just existing.
0: Yeah. So they're definitely having some fun here. And you do see this wall of spinning blades coming after. Her. Yeah. And she's like, ah, To paraphrase, she's like, ah, I don't think this is working. I don't think this is going to happen. And. You just see Bruce just kind of going, um, um. <laughs> Smirking like, oh, shit, I might end up killing my cousin. Yes, but then you you see the powers activate, and he's like, yeah, yeah! All right,
1: all right, and then she rips the door off the hinges, and he goes, oh, no, oh, no!
0: Yes, because when she goes into She-Hulk mode, she has, like, in it's a over exaggeration of her emotions mm-hmm. and it's something that this happens in the comics all the time too is like she's overly aggressive yep. and, and you know like and the different moods she's in so like this plays well into that char- part of the character so very excited to see this cuz she was angry and the anger just completely <laughs> vented out mm-hmm. so then you do see that you know she's back walking around her law firm at, in full hulk mode uh-huh. which this does happen in the comics so this is yep. nothing super yep. crazy So then you see a little back and forth with her colleagues and her just getting used to being She-Hulk.
1: Right. And she does have the one line where she's like sitting in a bar with one of her friends and she goes, I just want to be an anonymous lawyer. Yeah. Good luck with that.
0: Yeah. She's definitely not going to be. And then she does have this moment where she's coming out of what appears to be like a limo or Mm -hmm. or a fancy uh, gala she's walking into. And you see the paparazzi. So she does start embracing that side of her character now. Yeah. That obviously the She-Hulk persona is something she's, Going all in on, which makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And then you do see a quick shot a little later in the trailer where she looks like she's getting attacked by somebody yep. and transforms and does like a judo throw. Yep. So I mean, that's kind of a cool thing to happen. Uh huh. And then we do see—is it like a testing the superhero leap pad?
1: Yeah. It it almost looks like kind of like an homage or kind of like a callback to the, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man one, where like he was trying to figure out his powers, and that appears to be what it is. Because her one friend just goes at the bar to say, "Hey, you could be an Avenger." And she's like, oh, I'm not a superhero. But then you do see a shot of her and the Incredible Hulk leaping from island to island. Uh, not like rooftop to rooftop. Mm-hmm. No, they're jumping between islands.
0: Yeah. So it's a very cool th- image to see. Yeah. And you, do, I, I love the comment she makes to her friend to quote. She's like, no, I can't be. That's for billionaires, narcissists, and adult orphans for some reason. <laughs> I admit, I laughed out loud at that. I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah. Then we get a quick shot to a courtroom, and there is a fight going on. Uh-huh. And this is where I think we're first going to see Titania okay. in this role. So we do know that she is being played by Jamil. hmm. and obviously that's a long-time She-Hulk villain right uh-huh. there, or adversary, shall we say. There is a quick shot, though, of somebody in like a green jumpsuit in between, though. Mm-hmm. I can't tell who that is. So I'm not sure if they're kind of sliding somebody in that we don't know about. I, I'm trying to even think like who that could be.
1: Well, I know there is one shot you know, in amongst these action sequences where we do see Tim Roth uh, going full abomination in his containment field. So
0: well, we're going to have to deal with that one again. Yeah, see, for a second I thought it was Whirlwind. Maybe. Like taking it really back in the uh, echelon of the Marvel Comics Universe villains. And then you do see... Another shot of Titania, and then it goes back to shots at the bar mm-hmm. with Bruce and Jen, just kind of you know talking about you know things going on, and then it kind of fast forwards to you see uh, Tim Roth's character go into full abomination mode, yep, kind of growing there as well, uh huh, and then it just kind of goes into the final shot of the trailer where you do see that She Hulk apparently is on a dating site swiping right, well, some variation of Tinder, yes, and we do see a cameo. From the legend of the WWE. Uh Uh-huh. The Nexus Forever. Uh Uh-huh. David Otunga. Flexing those biceps. Yes, he is. Amongst other actors. Yes. But you know, obviously we talk wrestling on the show.
1: They linger on him specifically.
0: Yes, as they should. The legend. And then you see that she does appear to hook up with somebody Uh that wants to split some fries.
1: Well, she he goes, I haven't had a date in a while, and she just goes, Oh, And he goes, should we split some fries? And she goes, let's get those to go. Yes. With with a knowing smirk on her face.
0: Yes, and then you do see her carrying the guy across the threshold of her apartment.
1: Uh Uh-huh. And that's how it ends. So, Pad, overall thoughts on the trailer? Super excited for the show. I know there's got to be some cameos, and I'm thinking of one specifically. Uh, A certain lawyer that I think is... bound -hmm. bound to show up in this series at some point. Says, hey, we're dealing with law, and that character likes to deal with law as well. Uh, You know, but I'm super excited for this. This is probably one of the ones I'm more excited for, just because it's different than what we're used to with the Marvel stuff. Yeah. And the the possibility of cameos has got me really excited.
0: Yeah, I'm definitely excited about this as well. Like, I'm not sure what to expect from this, except I think they're going to borrow a lot from the John Byrne run. And there's been some great incarnations of she-Hulk throughout the comics. I mean, obviously, we, we mentioned first coming to life from Stan Lee and John Buscema mm-hmm. uh, back in 1980, I believe. Yes. So from there, her character has definitely evolved over time, and she has many connections throughout the MCU, whether it's the Fantastic Four and uh, the Avengers primarily. I mean, I think there's been a S.H.I.E.L.D. run here and there, but then again, it's the comics universe. I think everybody's had a tenure in S.H.I.E.L.D. at Pretty some much. point. And I think they got a lot to work from, too, especially if this is the John Byrne run, because I know that that's the one for me that stands out as a fan. But there's been some great incarnations throughout the years, and I think they're going to just really have some fun with this. And I think that that's something we really need to remember with this show. It's not going to take itself that serious. No, God, no. I think that they're going to definitely play up a lot of humor. And I think it's going to be well-timed and well-placed. I mean, we already saw some moments here in the trailer that I'm definitely excited about. Like I said, I, was, I laughed out loud about the one about I can't be a superhero, mm-hmm. the definition. I, that caught me off guard. I was like, okay, here we go. But I think we are going to see some cameos as well from some you know, D-list villains. I keep on hearing something about Frogman. Oh, God. So, and like like I said, if you can give me that in Stilt Man, I'm, I'm in. I'm all in. <laughs> like, give me those D Liz villains that she has to go defend. I do think that we're going to see Matt Murdock's character appear at some point. And I'm not sure about who else. Maybe Nick Fury at the end, because I could see She Hulk being involved with the next incarnation of whatever the Avengers lineup is going to be. Whether right. they call it the Avengers or the, if they're going to go call it like the Ultimates or the Champions, I'm, I'm not sure what they're going to wind up doing there. Right. But I think that we'll see that here. And for the opening impressions, I know a lot of people were focusing on the CGI of this. Yeah,
1: the visual effects.
0: And to that I say, we all had the same opinion about Moon Knight when we first saw the trailer. Mm-hmm. Let's give it time to see what, yeah. what happens here. I mean, the show comes out in August.
1: It's currently May, so there's plenty of time to, to dial it in.
0: Yes. So I think once we get around to that aspect of things, everything will be all right. And like I say, we got some time, too, because obviously miss Marvel is going to be debuting in June. Very soon, too, by the way. That's creeping up rather quickly.
1: Ms. Marvel, you've got Thor, Love and Thunder coming out in July.
0: Yeah, that's right around the corner, too. Oh, I know. I mean, the MCU is coming back full blast, too. And obviously, with She-Hulk coming in, that's the last one from that uh, trilogy of shows they announced at. um, It was an Investor Day way back when? I don't
1: remember whether it was that or San Diego Comic-Con. It's hard to keep track.
0: Yeah, they announced the three there, and then Secret Invasion is going to kick off the next phase of mcu on disney plus because obviously we know echo is going to be a show secret invasion is going to be there as well right so there's a lot to look forward to and i think the show is definitely going to have a different vibe to it and you know me give me something different on the mcu don't make everything this look the same sound the same give me something different and i think the show is definitely going to do it that's our take on the she hulk trailer but now we want to hear yours Page society hit us up on the hashtag hashtag pod Did you love the trailer? Did you hate the trailer? What is your thoughts about She-Hulk? Attorney at Law coming to Disney Plus August 17th. Let's talk about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Have you ever found yourself confused about the current state of the MCU or whatever the hell is happening with the DC universe?
2: Do you often have no idea what the hell the difference is between craft beer and that Bud Ice stuff at the gas station?
0: Well, then look, no further. We present to you Hop's Geek News. We're yet another Geek & Beer podcast in an already oversaturated market. All right, all right. We
2: drink and we pretend we know things.
0: More often than not, we don't really know things, but we do talk some really great topics, and we most definitely can drink.
2: We'll deliver you news and then dive into any random topic you might have never knew you actually were passionate about.
1: With lots of fun facts about beer.
2: And from Marvel to DC and Star Wars, and to why Die Hard is most definitely a Christmas movie.
0: Which it is. Basically anything that our spouses are sick of hearing us talk about. Join us on YouTube or anywhere you listen to podcasts.
2: New episodes weekly. Just search Hops News.
0: Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and let us talk some fear of The Walking Dead. Zombies! Zombies are taking over, and obviously the true flagship show of The Walking Dead universe is gearing up for a big battle to end all battles, so we think. Mm-hmm. Obviously the battle of taking the tower from Victor Strand, played by the one and only Coleman Domingo, has been the catalyst for this season. And obviously this show has gone through some stuff, shall we say. Uh-huh. Nuclear warheads, doomsday cults, radiation everywhere. Yeah. It's been a mess, but it's been the greatest mess to watch per se. And obviously when you have strong actors like Coleman and Lenny James who plays Morgan Jones, I mean they are the two standouts from the show. And they do have a good solid cast around them too. And just we're the only gripe I have about the season so far since it came back from the mid season is we're taking a long time to get to that final battle. And I understand we're trying to give everybody some time on the show, and I get that. It it makes sense. But it just seems like we're dragging our feet a little bit Mm -hmm. instead of just hitting the ground running because everything that they've done is basically showing everybody how they drew the side and where they're going to stand with Strand or they're going to stand with Morgan. Mm -hmm. This episode, we got a little more clarification, and I felt to do the uh, quote-unquote non-spoiler. I felt they took away a lot from last episode's big impact. Sure. With this one, just with how it ended. But I thought it was a very good episode. But that being said, I'm going to be talking spoilers about episode 13 entitled The Raft. So if you're new to the ODPH, thank you for giving us a listen. If you are an old listener, you know how this goes. Once I give a countdown, I start talking spoilers. If you haven't seen the episode and you don't want to be spoiled, this is the time to pause the podcast right here and there, watch the episode, and jump right back in. Because once I get deep diving, I don't like to stop. So that being said, in three, two, one. Okay, what did I think? I thought that the ending really just had more questions to it okay. than I liked. And it kind of seemed like we're setting up for the big battle but did we really need the extras that were thrown in this episode? Mm-hmm. That's my problem because this one was heavily centered around Dwight and Sherry. Now I don't mind it. I think that Austin Emilio, who plays Dwight, and we know him from the the actual Walking Dead show. He was Negan's right hand man. Got his face burnt. At oh the one yeah, point, yeah. And, and it was exiled out of there. Yeah. He's now hooked up with this group. Had the redeeming thing going on. Perfectly fine. Christina Evangelista. Plays Sherry, his estranged wife, who he's tracked down now. And they're basically the uh, traveling vigilantes, if you will, of the Walking Dead universe. And trying to survive during the whole nuclear wasteland that is Texas right now. In, um, the Walking Dead universe. Folks, it's reasons. It's comics. Just let it go. So this episode kicks off that they're saving somebody who's roaming the woods here. And Dwight basically... Tells her to go to the tower for safety after right. they save her. And Sherry is like, what are you doing? And it's all coming down to Strand is basically giving everybody but Morgan the deal. Come with me, you'll be safe, you'll be prosperous, but you gotta work for me.
1: Come to me if you come with me if you want to live.
0: Basically. So they kind of have this back and forth, and obviously they're having flashbacks that Strand is turning into Negan and how he ran his group. And this has kind of been well. Not really the strongest thing for Dwight, but Dwight is at the redeeming factor. Like, why would he go back? It just it would seem forced to me. But they do focus a lot on that. And then you do have them linking up with Morgan, who now has the baby uh, that him and Grace were watching in his possession. Because John Dory Sr., played by the one only Keith Carradine, sacrificed himself to get the baby out of there. But unfortunately, as Morgan got the baby and ran, there is an army Of zombies coming after him. Okay. Like, we're talking uh, easy 100 and so. Sure. And basically, it's like the Pied Piper. He's leading them away, wasting ammo, shooting in the air, trying to get them to follow him because they're trying to lead him to this cavern where that's basically where they were hanging out, so to speak, all the zombies. Mm -hmm. And we mentioned this like a couple episodes ago, like in the wasteland of where the explosion happened, pretty much. And he's now linking up with... Dwight and Sherry, and trying to give the baby to them to watch as he's leading them off. And it's a really interesting dynamic that he's trying to do this. Right. Because it kind of seems like you're telegraphing something. But he does make the run. He does catch up with Alicia, who's come back. And we haven't seen her in a couple episodes, too. But it is good to see her back. Alicia Dunham Carey playing... Alicia is a good strong point to this episode because she does have ties with Strand and is going to challenge her when this conflict happens because they do have a a very weird respect thing going on Mm -hmm. because they're, they're friends, but obviously Strand has done a lot of nefarious stuff over the years. Can Alicia be on Morgan's side or is it going to fail? Because it all basically leads to Morgan saying, we have to take the tower. The tower, we only have one shot. We can't let it slip. And while he's questioning... Alicia's allegiance, so to speak, he's finding out that, yeah, there's a problem with him leading the horde away from Strand's camp. Mm. What is the problem, you ask? Well, apparently somebody set up a ramp to get those zombies out of there in the first place. Okay. So where there should have been thousands of zombies with radioactive stuff in them, mm-hmm. there's only like a handful. Mm. Do we sense a problem here? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So while they're doing this, you do see that he is now getting chased by Strand's uh, armed forces, so to speak, if you want to call them. I think they refer to him as Rangers. I'm not, I, I just always call him Strand's Army. So now they're chasing after him, and this is where things get a bit interesting. And what I mean by this is you see Morgan hand off the baby to Dwight and Sherry. They take off running. And they wind up going back to the Doomsday Cult bunker, where all the magic happened in the first place. And you do see that Morgan is still trying to lead everybody away, but obviously Dwight and Sherry are getting chased. And during this point, too, you see that Wes, who has now emerged as Strand's new right-hand man, is trying to make a play and take Dwight in. And during this, it comes out in the conversation that Sherry is possibly pregnant. Mm. so yeah that was kind of a left field yeah i'd say so and we do see that this couple has now escaped like i said into the bunker and they're trying to basically hide through the drainage system because well those rangers are looking for him so meanwhile everybody's inside there morgan finally links up with the zombie people and are leading them into the bunker so basically he's trying to trap everybody inside the bunker and this turns into a big old mess because what happens when you're climbing through pipes in the zombie universe? Usually something goes wrong. Of course. And then it starts collapsing. So they start having rocks block off their path. And this is where Dwight and Sherry have like that moment where they're, you know, fully saying, okay, well, you know, we have to survive. I'm, I'm, I'm pregnant. We got to get out of this mess. And they start digging out. During this time, you're seeing that strands forces are in here and the zombies are tearing them apart graphically like only the walking dead can do so i'm not mad about this i'm just mad how we got here so you do see the happy couple escape wes is presumed basically left for dead and it's just now come out to the point of well we have to get the tower taken care of alicia are you in and she keeps saying no i'm not no i'm not we're not ready we're not ready and morgan is basically screaming like no we have to you have to leave the charge here And we can't go back to the submarine because apparently now the submarine, which has been the base of operations for I don't know how long, Mm -hmm. is now having a radiation problem. Like apparently it's not holding up to the blast, even though people have been living there for a couple months. Right. Yeah. So during this point, it comes to a decision that Morgan is going to take off with the baby. Mm -hmm. He's not going to go fight Strand. Oh, no, of course. And, and I'm, I'm sitting here going like, okay, so this entire time we've been building up for you versus Strand, and now you got this inflatable raft, and you're taking off, and you're basically saying, okay, bye, I'm out. Alicia, who is already conflicted enough to go against Strand, her friend, now has to lead everybody at the tower. And Morgan is like, I gotta get the baby to safety. That's the plan. As soon as I got her out, that was the whole mission. So he is now sailing away. As everybody else is now united as the survivor group of this universe. Right. And they're now going to try taking out Strand. Oh, of course. And that's how the show ends. So I kind of sit here and go, so you killed off John Dory for nothing, pretty much. Sounds like it. And I understand his death was supposed to be sacrificed to keep the baby alive. But now you've taken Morgan off the play the board, which has been what we've been setting up this entire season. I'm guessing he's going to somehow come back and save the day, but it's very odd of like, yeah, we've now decided, well, this is how we're going to do. And it's just like, what like, what are we doing here? Like, mm-hmm. it's just, it, it got a little confusing because I, we're finally going to get the big battle. So, cause like by next week's previews, it looked like some shit's going to actually happen. And it looks like Wes is going to get really messed up. Cause somehow he's the only person that's now survived the zombies tearing through his entire forces in the bunker either way i didn't think it was the worst episode but i thought for dwight and sherry it was kind of like a letdown because all of a sudden she's really like i get the point now though since she's technically pregnant on the show right that you know of how she was worried about would would uh dwight go back to strand like i would be with negan so that makes sense because obviously she's worried now becoming a mother right you know where's the loyalty going to be and and are you going to do this and would, would it make sense to fight Strand and, and go about this? So I understand that, but it just took us so long to get here. I'm like, man, you guys are telegraphing a little too much. And just the whole thing in the bunker just seemed too easy. I'm not saying it's like there's four survivors down, trapped around a thousand zombies in a cave that's collapsed on them, and everybody escapes unscathed. But it kind of had that vibe to it. Either way, we're now it looks like we're going to get a big battle with Strand. About time. Yeah, it is. Because I only got three episodes left, I believe, before the season finale. We got to start picking up the pace. We really got to start getting here. And if we're not going to have Morgan versus Strand, it's going to be a letdown. As much as I, I love Alicia and the character on the show here, I just think that you, you have to give that payoff. I mean, you take a look at all the promotional art, too. I'm showing Pad right now the poster. Hmm. It's Morgan and Strand. Like, yeah. You have to have the big bell. Like, if he's sailing away with the baby... I Like, I understand why, but it's like we, we we're we now just going to take him off the playing field. I, like, I don't get it. Yeah. A little confusing, but the episode, like I said, was, was good. I, I'm not hating in that aspect. Like, I thought the acting was very good. Anytime we have Joy and Sherry on, it's usually pretty good. But I thought the, the random curveball of the pregnancy really kind of took a little bit away. And I think that now... Going into the final battle, you you get the sense like somebody's not going to survive this one way or another. But that's what we do here on The Fear of the Walking Dead. So I'm not too mad if they're going to be killing off characters for the right reasons. But if you're just going to waste John Dory for reasons, uh, it's a it's a rare miscue for them. Which, yeah. so far this season, they've had a couple. i got to be honest. I really do enjoy the show. But I'm going in with this saying like, all right, this is now starting to borrow a little too much from the flagship show. And it's not really catching my attention like it should. But with three episodes left, I got Faith to pull off something crazy for the finale, and I'll be tuned in. But ODPH Society, let me know what you think. Hit me up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHPod. What did you think about episode 13 entitled The Raft of Fear of the Walking Dead? Have you been watching the show? Have you not? Let's discuss it. This show is usually clicking on all cylinders, but man, we're taking our time to get that big battle. Not exactly sure how I feel about that, but that's why we've got to have that conversation. So hit me up, let me know. We're gonna take a quick break. We'll be right back.
2: This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideroom Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH podcast. Wanna go out no one
0: Coming back for the final segment in this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got?
1: Got a couple of things to talk about, the first of which was announced in the last couple of minutes, so I'm very excited to announce this. Uh, this is coming to us from the Black Market Narrative Twitter account. Hey! Uh, it says, quote, We are thrilled and honored that Radiant Black has been nominated for an Eisner Award for Best News Series. Thank you to our readers for supporting the series. We couldn't do it without you. Stay radiant. And, uh the one and only kyle higgins uh quote tweeted that and said very cool very weird very cool very grateful from uh marcelo costa uh from uh, michael bustillo and all of the team uh thank you for giving our new superhero a shot hashtag eisner so very well deserved hell yeah very
0: well uh, earned that's awesome news congratulations guys yeah man we gotta talk to those guys pretty soon yeah it's been a while
1: uh, also going on, uh, as we record, uh, or as you're, li- it will come out tomorrow. Or if you're listening to this on, uh, Thursday, it might already be out, but we are less than 24 hours away from uh, the new, uh, trailer for the umbrella Academy season three.
0: Ooh, that's coming up quick too. Yeah.
1: So, uh, the Netflix geeked Twitter account did tweet today, uh, as we record quote, you guessed it Umbrellas. the umbrella Academy season three trailer drops tomorrow. Uh, so, very excited to see that. They did promote out some uh, promotional art and stuff. Uh, so, very excited for that. I can't wait for that to come
0: back. Yeah, I can't wait either. I mean, that's coming right around the corner, too. Mm-hmm. The Netflix Geeked Week is coming first week of June, I believe. Okay, So, definitely have to keep an ear out for that. I know some Sandman stuff got released. Yep. So, I can't wait for that.
1: You know what else is coming first week of June? Hmm. Uh, the Boys Season 3. Hey! Segway! Uh, they did drop a tra- did drop a trailer for that. Uh, super excited for this. Uh, according to the description on the YouTube video they uh, the prime video uploaded, quote, "It's been a year of calm, homelanders subdued, Butcher works for the government, supervised by Huey of all people." But both men itch to turn this peace and quiet into blood and bone, so when the boys learn of a mysterious anti-soup weapon, it sends them crashing into the Seven, starting a war, and chasing the legend of the first superhero, Soldier Boy. Season 3 arrives June 3rd, only on Prime Video. The trailer looks awesome. It's the same violence and insanity you've seen from the first two seasons. I cannot wait.
0: I can't wait for this either. This looks absolutely incredible. Anthony Starr deserves a damn Emmy, people. Mm -hmm. I will not hear otherwise, but this looks dope, and June 3rd can't come soon enough.
1: Yeah. Uh, Switching over to some Doctor Who news that legitimately crashed the BBC website. This is not a joke, folks. No. Uh, This was announced back on, I believe it was, uh, I think it was uh, Saturday or Sunday. One of the two days. I want to say Sunday. Uh the but the tenth doctor in David Tennant and one of his companions, Donna Noble, are returning to Doctor Who. What? And not in a comic series, not in an audiobook uh where they're providing the voices for no, the actual legitimate show. Uh, so the BBC shared the news uh on their in a blog post saying one of the most loved pairings in Doctor Who's history have reunited and are filming scenes that are due to air in 2023 to coincide with the show's 60th anniversary celebrations. You hey, know. Uh this is going to be very interesting because if you are a Whovian or you have seen the Doctor Who, you know of course that the last time uh these two saw each other, uh the doctor had spoiler alert although hey it's been like 20 years at this point so eh. yeah. Uh, the doctor had to. Watch Wipe Donna's memory to save her life, uh, but he was warned that if she ever remembered, she would die. So this is going to be real interesting to see how they work this into this. Uh, you know, you know, who knows what what, what it's going to be about? You know, it's going to be awesome. Uh, Russell T. Davis did tease that the reunion would be spectacular. He went on to say, "Quote: They're back, and it looks impossible. First, we announce a new doctor, and then an old doctor, along with the wonderful Donna. What on earth is happening?" Maybe this is a missing story, or a parallel world, or a dream, or a trick, or a flashback. The only thing I can confirm is that it's going to be spectacular, as two of our greatest stars reunite for, a ba- for the battle of a lifetime. I am super excited for this.
0: Tendon is my favorite doctor, so give Mind this to too. me. Give this to me. I'm all in about this one.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, switching over to some video game news, we did get a new PlayStation Plus games lineup, and this is in, in, when it pertains to the upcoming revamped PlayStation Plus uh, subscription service, which launches in, I uh, believe it's sometime in early June. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, of course, is the one where you can, uh, and this pertains to the uh the extra tier uh which is $99.99 a year or the premium tier which is $119.99 per year uh so this is the one where you get you know a bunch of playstation 4 games playstation 5 games plus all the you know P P 3 ps2 ps1 games mm-hmm. uh but they did give out a list of games from playstation 4 and playstation 5 that will be available with this uh you know so it's More than 700 games are going to be available when the service gets updated in March. Right. You're getting a shitload of games. Uh, The other nice thing I know they did say is that if you are a PlayStation Plus subscriber, the way it's worked in the past is the PlayStation Plus games of the month that you've downloaded, you've been able to keep for free uh as long as you're a playstation plus subscriber from the way i was reading it sounds like even if you're not a member of this new uh, subscription service and you don't have playstation plus anymore they'll let you keep them okay which is a nice touch yeah Yeah, if if i'm reading this right uh but so the games for playstation 4 and playstation 5 that have been announced uh for the playstation plus extra and premium tier i'm not going to go through them all these are just kind of some of the ones that i went yo that's kind of uh awesome uh, Assassin's Creed Valhalla for PlayStation 4 and PlayStation 5. Uh, Days Gone uh, for P- PlayStation 4. Uh, you've also got Demon Souls uh, for PlayStation 5. Uh, that's the one from where is there? It is uh, Blue, uh, Blue Point Games. It's kind of like the Dark Souls kind of game. Okay. Uh, you've also got Final Fantasy 15 Royal Edition for PlayStation 4. Ghost of Tsushima Director's Cut from Sucker Punch. That's PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5. God, I got one. Yes. Uh, God of War, the the most recent incarnation, not the original one. Uh, that one for PlayStation Four. Uh, you've also got Horizon Zero Dawn for PlayStation Four. Uh, infamous First Light uh, for PlayStation Four. Infamous Second Sun for PlayStation Four uh let's see little big planet 3 you've also got marvel's guardians of the galaxy marvel's spider-man marvel's spider-man miles morales joining the lineup mortal Kombat 11 nba 2k 22 red dead redemption 2 resident evil uh, returnal which i've heard is a fantastic game for playstation 5 mm-hmm. shadow of the uh, shadow of the colossus for playstation 4 soul caliber 6 uh the crew 2 the last guardian you've got the last of us remastered the last of us left behind uh, you've also got Uncharted 4, A Thief's End, Uncharted, The Nathan Drake Collection, and Uncharted, The Lost Legacy. So outside of the PlayStation Vita game, that's every Uncharted game. Uh, so if you subscribe to the service and you haven't played any of the Uncharted games, you now no longer have an excuse to have not played these games. Uh, and then Until Dawn, which is a fantastic... A uh, thriller or horror game that you know you should really check out if you're into kind of like those that horror thriller genre. Uh, so those are some of the games they've announced, and more I'm sure will be coming uh, down the road. You know some of the other games they announced: uh, Borderlands, The Handsome Collection, Lego Harry Potter Collection will be in the classic games catalog. You know which I th- for for the PS3 versions, so that'll be that'll be awesome. It's it's a good lineup, I would say.
0: That's a dope lineup. Uh-huh. Uh huh.
1: And then also uh, included with the. Uh, extra and premium subscription tiers is going to be ubisoft plus uh, so this uh, from an article on ign.com it says ubisoft plus will be fir- will first be available on playstation in the form of ubisoft plus classics which comes bundled with playstation plus extra and premium tiers uh, this version of ubisoft plus features a curated selection of popular games 27 available at launch that will include assassin's creed valhalla the division and for honor Ubisoft Plus Classics will be available from when the new version of PlayStation Plus launches, which is June 13th in America, June 23rd in Europe. While Ubisoft has now officially announced the service, it was semi-revealed when Sony recently announced that Assassin's Creed Valhalla would be part of the new PS Plus service. Uh, Other games coming in the first 27 include Child of Light, Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon, Far Cry 4, Steep, South Park, The Fractured Butt, whole Uh, separate word not one word yeah uh the crew 2 trials rising watchdogs and werewolf within Uh, ubisoft promises the classics collection will grow to more than 50 games by the end of 2022 and that there are more games planned for the future Uh, Furthermore, Ubisoft announced that a full version of Ubisoft Plus, which includes more than 100 games, day one releases, and premium editions of some games, is coming to PlayStation and Xbox consoles. No date was offered for either console, aside from the promise that the service ultimately will be available on PlayStation and Xbox. Currently, Ubisoft Plus is only available on PC, Stadia, and Amazon's Luna service. Uh, So that's kind of an interesting little tidbit or a little bit of add-in, you know, for the PlayStation, a little bit of more bang for your buck.
0: Absolutely. I mean, the better deals you can get for this, and that sounds like a hell of a a deal yeah it does so definitely excited about that uh
1: and then switching over to some streaming news uh it was announced that the league of extraordinary gentlemen is going to be getting rebooted for hulu uh so yeah reading Hmm. from from an article on ign.com says the league of extraordinary gentlemen is returning once again this time as a film being developed for the streaming platform hulu according to the hollywood Reporter. Uh, The Disney studio division under 20th Century Studios will be responsible for the reboot, which will be uh, written by Justin Haith, who uh, worked on Revolutionary Road, Red Sparrow, and produced by Susan uh, Montford, Erwin uh, Stoff, and Don Murphy, uh, the latter having also produced the 20th original adaptation of the series back in 2003. Written by Alan Moore and illustrated by artist Kevin O'Neill, the leak is set in Victorian England and borrows elements of stories like Dracula, Sherlock Holmes, and 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. It follows a group of heroes including Mina Murray, Alan Quatermain, Captain Nemo, Dr. Jekyll, and the Invisible Man fighting enemies like Fu Manchu, Professor Moriarty, and aliens from H.G. Wells' War of the Worlds. Uh, a hit when it first came out, the series won the 1999 National Comics Award for Best New Comic International, with the series' first volume winning the Bram, Stoke, Bram Stoker Award for Best Illustrated Narrative, and the second uh, and the second an Eisner Award for Best Limited Series. It was also included in the 2005 edition of the year's best graphic novels, comics, and manga. The film adaptation was, well, that was a whole different story.
2: Yeah. Uh,
1: the film uh, only grossed over 179 million dollars worldwide, impressive considering its budget of 78 million. Uh, it took many creative differences, which led to a lukewarm to its lukewarm reception with both fans and critics alike, scoring scoring a 17% on Rotten Tomatoes. Its rating might makes it one of the 15 worst superhero movies ever. Uh, so I'm, I gotta admit, I'm kind of like cautiously optimistic about this because I, I do, I will say for its time, I liked the movie. And of course I was a kid when that came out. So bear with me. Yeah. You know, I, I liked it for its time. It was all right. You know, if it was on TV for a while, I, I'd be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm willing to sit down and watch this now. It doesn't really hold up that much, you know? So I'm hoping for maybe something a little bit better. I will say I would like to them for them to at least, Throwing a mention or throwing an honor for Sean Connery, you know that'd be nice to see. But if it doesn't happen, I understand.
0: I'll be honest, man. Like I heard this, and I'm like, <sighs> I, 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 I think a lot of things. Like it's a lot of different emotion because, like, I remember when this book came out, and this was all like Alan Moore's thing he was doing with Wildstorm, mm-hmm. ABC Comics. I think it was titled. Uh, it was like the little yeah, subprint. Yeah, yeah. And I know, like it was like this, and uh, God, it's been ages since I've read it. And with that series of lines, like it's Alan Moore, so you know, obviously, it's gonna, it's, be, weird. It's gonna be weird. But he makes it happen. Like that's just something he does with his writing. And I just remember when the movie came out, I was like, it was so underwhelming. Then it's like, uh-huh. oh, just. Just let it go.
1: I thought, like I said, I was a kid. You know, I yeah, thought sure. No, for, no, I get you. You know, for its time, I thought it was all right. You know, Owen Wilson being in the movie is an interesting choice. Uh, but other than that, I thought the movie was all right. You know, it doesn't. Like I said, it doesn't really hold up these days. But for its time, it, it's kind of like you know Daredevil back then. For yeah. its time, it was okay. And I, you now it's awful. Yeah, you know. But now, yeah,
2: we'll
0: see. We'll see. I mean, like I say, if they if they want to try doing some justice to it, sure. Yeah. And, but it's just like. I don't know, like, it was just my gut instant, like reaction, like, mm, oh, this, yeah. is, this is interesting, because yeah. like I, I understand, like, the, the book is, is good, and like I said, I haven't read it in, god, I can't even remember the last time, mm-hmm. and I just was like, when they tried bringing it to film, I was like, oh, man, we yeah. missed the mark, we really did, yeah.
1: Uh, And then some movie news for one movie I am very excited to see. uh, It was announced by the folks over at Lionsgate that it has cast Tom Blythe as a young uh, President Snow uh, in its prequel to The Hunger Games, which is titled The Ballad of Songbirds and Snakes. Uh, Reading from an article on IGN.com, says, The film is in early production, but Tom Blythe, the lead in epics... Uh, Billy the Kid television series and the 2021 film Benediction has been cast as the young man who will become the brutal and conniving president who was portrayed by Donald Sutherland in the previous films. Okay. Uh, pre, uh, what is it? Uh, Aaron Westerman, who's the president of, of production from the Lionsgate uh, Motion Picture Group, said, quote, Tom Blythe is an explosive rising talent whose mesmerizing and charismatic presence make him an exciting actor. Uh, Actor and perfect for this leading role. Uh, of course, it's been quite a few years since we've seen the uh, Hunger Games films. You know, you had uh, with uh, starring Jennifer Lawrence. You know, but it's it's interesting. And I I know the book came out, and I'm part way through reading the book now, and it's a very good book. Mm-hmm. I'm interested to see how they do this because it's set far. It's one of those things. The book is set far enough in the past. Yeah. Where for where I am in the book, it you don't necessarily need to get certain people to certain points and make sure certain things happen. Right. So, I mean, you, you kind of know how it happens or at least a little bit of aspect of what happens if you've read the books, but I'm interested to see
0: this. I know this book has a lot of fandom to it. Like uh-huh. I, 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 I gotta admit like, this is not my cup of Java, but I respect, sure. uh, but I respect the people that, you know, like us. Uh, so this does sound intriguing, mm-hmm. I will say, but um, yeah, I'm really not sure how they're going to play this out.
1: Yeah. Uh, and then I got a few star Wars things because there was of course the massive mm-hmm. vanity fair star Wars issue. Of course, I was talking about more TV stuff, uh, but obviously there was a big star Wars feature and some of the highlights, I highly recommend you read the article. It's online. It'll be hitting the newsstands. I think either this week or next week, I forget when you can, you can look it up. Uh, but some of the moments or some of the stuff that jumped out to me, uh, one of which was Dave Filoni and John Favreau ferociously debated, uh, Grogu, baby Yoda. Hmm. Uh, yeah. So this was during the interview, Dave, executive producer, Dave Filoni, uh, reading from an article on ign.com, uh, revealed that young Grogu, AKA baby Yoda was a bit of a sticking point during production. Uh, he said, quote, honestly, it's something I never would have done because Yoda is Yoda. I think people now look back and think it was like a slam dunk, but we were very, but we were very cautious. The amount of measuring, especially in the first season for how we were framing this kid took a lot of effort, close quote. Uh, so it's, it's interesting, you know how they went off and do this you know they do the article does go on to say part of uh part of that was down to the original concept art the vanity fair report describes off-putting images of wrinkled and feral hands that had the show's creator second guessing the character thankfully a piece of uh, a perfect piece of art from chris alsman made grogu a reality he had kind of a goofy ugly look Fabro said we didn't want him too cute close quote Another issue of debate for if Grogu should be a character was lore, which all goes back to the legacy of George Lucas. Favreau and Filoni didn't want to take away from the mystery surrounding Yoda, who's a creature whose origin remains shrouded in secrecy to this day. Yeah. Reveal too much about Grogu and you, you risk revealing even more about the mysterious Jedi master. It, it gave us some pause revealed Lucasfilm boss, Kathleen Kennedy, John and Dave debated that quite ferociously. Uh, but so it kind of makes sense because that's the one thing with, with Yoda. And, and I know Mace Windu is the other one that like, we've never known kind of their origin stores of where they came. Like we, sure. we know Mace Windu isn't a human, like is a human, but we don't know where he's from. Yoda, we don't know where we don't know anything about him other than he lives for an asinine long amount of time. Like he's right. Nine, he's 900 years old in the book series and comic series they've got going on right now. The high Republic he's there, but he's still 300 fucking years old. Right. He lives an asinine long amount of time outside of that. We don't know shit about him, And that's kind of the one thing that I know when the old can the EU that George always told him, he's like, listen, do whatever you want, kill whoever you want, go wherever you want to do. But the, one thing you cannot do, and the one thing you cannot touch is Yoda's backstory. And to this day, we don't know anything. And if they're, and I understand John Favreau and Dave Filoni's cautiousness about this, but especially Dave having learned from George Lucas, those are the two best guys to handle something like this.
0: I agree. I mean, this is something I wasn't super shocked because, like you touched upon, there are certain characters in the Star Wars universe you just don't go near, mm-hmm. and, and for good reason. Yoda is one. Oh, yeah. So if you're gonna connect anything to him, I mean, and his history is just shrouded in mystery, and I think it needs to stay that way, mm-hmm. then I could understand the debate about Grogu. But I yeah. think I think they took a real chance with it. It's worked out thus far. I think the only thing that fans will be asking to find out whenever The Mandalorian ends is what happens to him and how can we never hear about him? right in the future. Like that's the only burning question right now. Right. So I don't know, man, like it's, it's a great article article in just the debate about it because you have to have the respect for that character. Mm -hmm. Like if you did anything else, it would just fall flat on its face.
1: Yep. Uh, One of the other points that was brought up was the uh, Star Wars trilogy that is being worked on by Ryan Johnson. Uh, This, of course, was I remember when this was announced. This was announced on November 9th, 2017, because it was announced on my birthday while I was going out to dinner with my family. Uh, That was announced back then. And we've heard nothing about it ever since then, leading some people to go, is it still on? Did it get canceled because of the reception of Last Jedi? It's still on, but it appears it's on the uh, back burner because Kathleen Kennedy said in the uh, Inter- or the Variety Vanity Fair article, uh, quote, Ryan has been very been unbelievably busy with Knives Out and the deal that he made at Netflix for multiple movies. Uh, you know, so if this is, of course, referencing his commitments uh, with Netflix. Uh, article on IGN, quote, the streaming company shelled out a whopping $450 million last year to purchase the rights to two knives out sequels with writer director ryan johnson returning for both of those films Uh, so he's done one one of them is either being filmed or close to being done filmed. but he's working on he's got another one he needs to do for those folks uh so the article from ign goes on to say this deal has reportedly put johnson's star wars trilogy on the back burner for now meaning there are no dates or timelines for when the first film will be released and it doesn't currently feature on lucasfilm's immediate roadmap for the future Kennedy even hinted that the trilogy format might be on the way out in favor of more persistent storytelling, which we'll get to in a minute. I mean, that makes all the sense in the world. You know, yeah. they, they when when something gets canceled or something gets put off, they don't hold off on it, you know, and kind of leave fans along thinking, no, it's still going to happen. No. They're pretty outright. And when they say something's been canceled, they haven't said so as much. And, and the deal with Netflix makes all the sense in the world. Listen, Netflix has invested a lot of money into having him put out the two Knives Out sequels for them. Obviously, that's
0: going to take precedent. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So not super shocked with this. No. I, but you know what? Anytime you mention Ryan Johnson and the Star Wars fandom, yeah. Yeah. you're going to get a reaction. Yeah. So yeah. we'll have so, to wait and see. Yes,
1: yeah, so we'll have to wait and see about that. And I know a lot of people thought that might be the next movie on the docket, but it appears not. So it now appears that the Taika Waititi Star Wars film that he's been working on might be the next one to come out, whatever that is. Because we know he's working on something, but as of any specifics we don't know shit.
0: Yeah. So a lot of moves happening in the the old star Wars universe. Uh,
1: and then moving on to some other stuff, as we mentioned, or I mentioned with the last bit, uh, kathleen kennedy says that it's now star wars is now about persistent storytelling not trilogies Hmm. Uh, so the speaking to a vanity fair uh, she opened up about the the master plan for the star wars franchise uh, quote as she admitted lucasfilm is navigating a new path after regrouping and mapping out the future it seems to pivot it seems the pivot toward television has influenced their film projects as kennedy hinted that trilogies may no longer be the best way to structure their stories Uh, She said, I do think that think a little bit of fun has gone out of making these gigantic movies, the business, the stakes, everything that's been infused in the last 10 years or so. There's a, there's a kind of spontaneity and good time that we were, we have to be careful to preserve. We all recognized every single one of us that this is a new chapter for the company and that we needed to work to all work together to create the architecture for where we're going uh so she goes on to say i hesitate to use the word trilogies anymore because star wars is much more about persistent storytelling uh which i think has worked out for them lately i mean obviously you look at kind of the divisiveness of the last trilogy love it or hate it it's very divisive but you look at you look at the mandalorian you look at the book of boba fett and just how well received those have been i i think they might be making the right decision
0: i do too i mean obviously you've done so much with the trilogy factor yeah standalones don't hurt Mm -hmm. I mean, take a look at Rogue One. Yeah. So I think if you kind of keep that atmosphere in that kind of vein, I think you'd be all right. Mm
1: -hmm. Uh, And then on to some of the projects upcoming. Uh, We do know that uh, there is obviously you got the Obi-Wan Kenobi series coming out soon, but we do know coming, which is we mentioned a couple weeks ago, has started production is the Ahsoka series. Yes. Uh, And during press for the uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi series and obviously doing the profile for Vanity Fair. Uh, Ewan McGregor revealed a little bit of casting news for the Ahsoka series. Oh, uh, he said in the vanity fair piece, my partner, Mary Elizabeth Winstead, which side note, didn't realize they were married until this article, uh, is doing that star Wars series with Rosario and she's about to start. Our little boy has been born into this massive Star Wars family. He will either embrace it or really go the other way. I don't know. Maybe he'll be a Trekkie, close quote. So, a little bit of casting news. You got Ramona Flowers joining Star Wars, and uh, she's going to be in the, the Ahsoka series. That's which a good is casting, awesome. though.
0: Yeah, that's a good casting. I have no issues with that.
1: Uh, also announced during or put in the Vanity Fair article is it appears we know what John Watts doing instead of Fantastic Four. Oh. Uh, so according to Vanity Fair, he is set to make a currently untitled Star Wars series, which people are figuring is going to air on Disney+. Plus. Uh, so the article says the show currently quote, the show current takes place during the post return of the Jedi reconstruction that follows the fall of the empire. The same as the Mandalorian plot details, of course, remain under wraps. Uh, the show, according to IGN.com, uh, the show is set to be created by John Watts alongside writer, Chris Ford, who previously worked alongside Watts on Spider-Man homecoming. Mm -hmm. Uh, although little is currently known about the show, it does apparently have a working title grammar rodeo. Don't read too much into it. Star Wars loves to do this. They love to give their projects weird names when they're filming. Blue Harvest, of course, is the most infamous one, so don't don't think it's reading too much into it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so whether or not, that probably doesn't give us much about the casting. However, there does appear to have been a casting notice has gone out uh, for children around 11 to 12 years old, according to Vanity Fair. Uh, quote, inside Lucasfilm, the show is being described as a galactic version of classic Amblin coming-of-age adventure films of the 80s. Uh, so you gotta, can't help but wonder maybe this is going to be like the Goonies
0: in space or something. It's got that vibe to it.
1: I'm super excited for it, though.
0: Yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about that, but it does have that vibe to it. Uh-huh. So I'm kind of waiting to see about that. Yeah. Uh,
1: we also got a little bit of an update on the uh, Cassian indoor series, which and we got some details. Uh, that is supposed to be coming out uh, late. It was confirmed or put in the article. They didn't give a firm date in the article. They just said late summer 2022. Mm-hmm. So sometime later this summer, maybe August or September, I would say uh but they did ask uh diego luna and then uh the writer of the show uh what the, uh, what they felt about the show and uh, luna said uh quote uh they had to say about the show luna said quote it's the journey of a migrant that feeling of having to move is behind the story very profoundly and very strong that shapes you as a person it defines you in many ways and what you are willing to do uh and then the writer said uh this guy gave his life for the galaxy right I mean, he consciously, soberly, without vanity or recognition, sacrificed himself. Who does that? that that's uh, what the first season is about. It's about him being really revolution-averse and cynical and lost and kind of a mess. His adopted home will become the base of our whole first season, and we watch that place become radicalized. Then we see another planet that's completely taken apart in a colonial kind of way. The Empire is expanding rapidly. They're wiping out anybody who's in their way, close quote. I am super fucking excited for this show just because Rogue One is easily the best Star Wars movie Disney has done. Yes. Like, bar none. Bar none. There's no question none. about it's, that. It's the best one they've done. I'm super excited for this. I'm a little bummed K2SO won't be in it, but listen. it's, it's Reasons. It's reasons. I. Th- Want to say it's been confirmed for a second season and presumably it'll show up. He'll show up in season two, but I can't wait for this to come out. It's going to be
0: amazing. Yeah, give it to me.
1: Uh, And then also uh, you had the announcement uh, or Lucasfilm has basically come out and said uh, that they're not going to recast iconic stars after what happened with Solo. Uh, So Kathleen Kennedy told Vanity Fair that the company, quote uh, this according to an article from Variety.com, told Variety that the company has learned never to recast iconic Star Wars characters following the flop that was Solo, a Star Wars film. A Star Wars story, excuse me. Uh, the Ron Howard-directed 2018 movie cast Aldrin Eckenrick as the younger version of Han Solo, the hotshot space pilot famously brought to life by Harrison Ford. Many critics and fans felt Heinrich, uh just couldn't capture Ford's magic. Uh, quote, There should be moments along the way when you learn things, Kennedy said. Now it does seem so abundantly clear that we can't do that. Uh... So, understandably so. I mean, I thought the movie was all right. Yeah. You know, it was probably the most EU Star Wars movie of all time. Yeah. I know fans have been screaming for that for the entirety of the sequel trilogy, but listen, if you haven't seen Solo, it is the most star- old school Star Wars story they've ever done. In terms of, like, if you've read any of the older books... Mm-hmm. It's the most old-school Star Wars book they've ever done, and it's a, it's a fun watch. I mean, don't take it too seriously. Don't take it too, what does this mean for the canon? What does this mean for the characters' motivations going forward down the line? Like, it's a fun watch.
0: I mean, that's the whole thing. It's supposed to be fun, and yeah. and when they decided to do it, I mean, obviously, it was kind of taking a gamble. Yeah. I don't think it was the worst thing in the world to see. Well, I also think that when they decided to release it, it
1: hurt it a little bit, just because prior to that, every other Star Wars film had come out. You know, the newer ones had come out in December and done very well. That mm. one was put out in the middle of Memorial Day weekend, Yes. Which was not. And plus, it was like less than six months after the last one had come out. Mm-hmm. You know, so there was a, maybe a little bit of burnout there. Like, all right, we just got done seeing this one. We don't want to see another one quite yet. Who knows? You know, either way, I think it's a good movie and I think you should absolutely go see it.
0: Yes. So for mine, we got a lot to talk about at the comic shop. Okay. So, Pat, I have a book I'm recommending to you specifically because uh, I don't right. think you've gotten on board with this yet. It's by DC Comics Batman Superman World's Finest, number three. Okay. Now I need you to go back and start picking this up. Why? It's written by Mark Wade, drawn by Dan Mora, who we know from Once and Future. Yep. This might be DC's best book on this on the block. It's up there with Nightwing, and this is up your alley, being a big Superman guy. All right. I think you you need to go get this. And I'm going to just tell you right now, if you're not on board, I know Dan Mora is an amazing artist. Mark Wade is one of my favorite writers. His uh, run on Captain America with Ron Garney is up there in, like, my top runs of all time. It's not Snyder and Capullo level, but it's damn near close. that's right. how much I love Mark Waid's writing. Did an incredible job on The Flash, too. But him now teaming up with uh, Batman and Superman, give it to me. I'm all in on this. And then taking a look at the picks of the week on Parlay Points. On Comixology Originals. Now, this book is out on trade paperback via Dark Horse Comics. Mm-hmm. But it has now returned for its second arc. It's The All-Nighter by Chip Zdarsky and Jason Liu. And The All-Nighter is a very, very cool concept. I don't want to spoil it if you're not familiar with it, but it definitely takes a little twist on the superhero genre, gives you a lot of great surprises. If you haven't read it, it's a phenomenal read. And issue six picks up on the new story arc and really causes a lot of questions, really kind of uh, teases everybody about where these characters are at right now. It's awesome. I give it a great recommendation. You can get this on Comicsology Originals right now. One of the best deals in town. I, I, everybody says, oh, they're just paying you to say this. No, I'm a proud <laughs> perch, er, fan uh, connoisseur of this, if you will. They don't give me any money for this. I'm telling you right now, Comicsology Comixology Unlimited deal is one of the best deals you can get in comics, bar none. Also on the comic shops from our friends over at Valiant Entertainment. This is another book you probably would get into, Pad. Uh-huh. Armor Clads. So Armor Clads number 3 continues the hit series that is coming out from them, taking a different sci-fi approach to the Valiant universe. It is a very, very cool read, uh, and they're definitely kind of doing some groundwork on this side of the Valiant universe. So if you're kind of into like a little sci-fi uprising story, so to speak, this is right up your alley. So I definitely recommend this And when you go to the comic shops. Uh, my pick of the week, though, Savage Avengers number one. Oh. Marvel Comics. I know I just made your ears pop, folks. I don't. I, I apologize, but this definitely got me super, super wound up. David Pepos, who you know we've talked on the show. If you listen to Cheers to Comics, shout out to our guy Brian Wayne. You know David's work there. He does the O.Z. and a bunch of other amazing books. I could just rant and rave about his stuff, but I'm telling you right now, you need to get familiar with it. Him and Carlos Magno created some something really special here. The team lineup, Ooh. how badass is this lineup? That looks awesome. Conan, Electra Daredevil, Black Knight, Anti-Venom, Weapon H, Cloak and Dagger. Ooh. Now, Deathlock is on the cover, too, but it's a little bit misleading, per se, because Ooh. when you open up the issue, I think this is the only thing I'll say if you want to call spoilers, but it's already out there. Deathlock is looking for Conan. Okay. And there's a big-ass fight, mm. one of the best I've seen in comics in recent memory. Mm-hmm. And then once the other characters get involved, it goes up to 10, up to 11, up to 12. Like, it just keeps ramping up. It's a great read. The action is nonstop in this. If you've been not so much sold on the Avengers over recent years, this is something to get into. Yeah. Because, I mean, these guys are not the big household names per se. But David Pepos is writing it. That is pretty much all I need to say, because if you're not familiar with his work, davidpeppos.com, I'm going to just give you those recommendations right now. There you go. Because the O.Z. is one of the coolest books you're ever going to read. Scout's Honor is dope as all dope can absolutely be. Spencer and Locke, enough said. Like I, I, I don't feel I need to explain anymore. Just go get his stuff, because he's fantastic. His writing is top-notch, and the fact he's getting a shot at Marvel salutes. <laughs> Round of applause yeah. this issue. Definitely go pick up at your local comic shops. It's absolutely incredible. But not to be outdone though, Boom Studio has a pair of books out right now too that you need to go check out. House of Slaughter number six comes back. So if you're into something is killing the children, and you should be because that's a great series. This new story arc is going to be right up your alley. They're going to be talking about the Scarlet Masks of the Order of St. George. So a little deep dive on the character and a little behind the scenes of like what goes on with them. So it's a very cool intro to the new story arc. And if you're not familiar with House of Slaughter, you need to get familiar And my last pick of the week, Power Rangers number 19. All right. So this one, Ryan Parrott, Marco Renna, absolutely crushing it as always. This is the quote-unquote Charge to 100, the legacy writing. And this issue, if you've been following since the Altarian War, they go into uh, unique directions with this uh, series. Because they've kind of split off the group into like one pair is doing their own story. It's a little fun. The other one is kind of having their own uh, little more serious story. Hmm. And I will tell you this, they hit you right in the gut with, a, with the final panel on this page. Heartbreaking to say the least, but I know that Ryan Parrott was uh, tweeting out about it a little bit. Uh, to paraphrase, because I don't have the tweet in front of me, uh, definitely going through a lot of range of emotions going with this book and definitely wanted to give something to the fans, something to talk about, and definitely did the right thing. So those two books, House of Slaughter and Power Rangers by Boom Studios, listen, we say it once, we say it all the time. Go support your local comic shops. Go support your favorite independent podcast. Go support your favorite indie comic creators. Shout out to Adam Olenta from Punk Taco. Go support him. Go get some Punk Taco number two. And definitely keep the medium alive and keep it positive And definitely, you know, talk about your favorite books. We definitely like hearing about it. But Pat has got, wait, one more thing about comics here. Okay, let's... Uh,
1: yeah, so we got some breaking news as we record. Hey, it's uh, actually breaking news we record. Uh, it has been announced by the folks over at Marvel that there is a new ongoing series involving Carnage. Oh. Uh, and the reason I'm reading off this is because I looked at this. Uh, I was like, oh, okay. And then I saw the cover and went, holy fucking shit. Uh, so reading from the article on Marvel.com, the headline reads carnage goes to hell oh god uh and the little sub headline says carnage is, carnage heads to the underworld in a new arc by ram v and roger antonio uh kicking off in august's carnage number six so the article reads carnage one of marvel's most terrifying villains is proving to be deadlier than ever in his brand new ongoing series by writer ram v and artists francesco Mana and roger antonio Adrift and alone, the Carnage symbiote is free and ready to give in to his most sinister cravings as he unleashes his chaos in the Marvel Universe in this visceral new era. The series enters its second arc this August, and fans will see just how big Carnage's ambitions are as he heads to the realm of the Dark Elves for an enticing prize, the Throne of Malkeith. What? The Carnage symbiote... Uh, has a bloodlust unlike any other organism in the Marvel Universe. Now, its ruthless and aggressive efforts to quench that bloodlust will reach new and never-before-seen heights. But what in the hell, H-E-L, is Carnage up to, and what will it do to anyone who gets in its way?
0: Uh, I am now showing Ken the cover art for this. What the flying f- is this? Holy- j- that is an impressive piece. Uh-huh.
1: Wow! It is it is carnage with a uh, staff, much like you would see in some depictions of Satan. Uh, he's got the little crown or like the little horns, like you would see on Satan. And then uh, who's that underneath him? That's Malachite, and he's dead.
0: Wow! Uh huh. Wow, that is some interesting stuff going Holy on right there. Holy shit. Yeah, we might have to go pick that one up.
1: Uh-huh. I literally saw the cover art and went, what the flying fuck is this?
0: Yeah, that is some wild stuff. Uh-huh. That is that is a wild-ass cover. Uh-huh. Holy
1: shit. That's going
0: to get crazy. They're, yeah.
1: they're going to take the Donnie Cates run a Venom and go, hold my beer.
0: Well, well, you know, they got... I, they would be stepping in the right direction. I mean, Ron V is, is right in that, you said? Yeah, he is. Yeah, you know, I mean, he's he's got some stuff about, uh, built up there in uh, his legacy here. So, I, yeah, I mean, by the time it's all said and done, we got to see. But that is a wild story to be telling right now. Uh-huh. Wow, you actually got me a little speechless, Pat. That is Carni-
1: f- Carnage is going. has cover. Carnage is going to go kill Melkeith. Oh, shit.
0: Oh, yeah, let's get weird. Uh-huh. I'm here for this. Wow. So... Man, a lot of good stuff happening in the comic shops, a lot of good comic news breaking. Thank you for letting me know about that. i got to make sure I start making the rounds and see if we can actually get that sound for parlay points. Uh, usually, I will do the long intro, but I'm just going to remind everybody because we are, as we're recording, one day away from Livestream for the Cure. So if you're not familiar with the event, a lot of amazing content creators are going to be donating their time to raise money for the Cancer Research Institute for a hashtag future immune to cancer. This is an event we are proud to be a part of. Uh, Rich from 3FN and myself are going to be on Friday night, 11 p.m. to midnight Eastern Standard Time, doing some wrestling trivia pads. So it's going to be an impromptu 607TWS. Nice. So we got a lot of stuff that we're going to be doing on the show. So you definitely want to come in and see what we're going to be quizzing. Nick from Nikolai's Kitchen and Justin from Epic Film Guys, which I assume Justin would be there because he's a big wrestling fan. Uh, we're definitely going to have a lot of fun. And just for everybody that has donated their time, donated their resources for such an amazing event, I just want to say thank you. And this is such an honor to be a part of each and every year that we've been here now. And we cannot stress enough this is what you should be focused on, on this weekend. You've heard the promos. You can check it on the liner notes. You can go to odphpodcast.com. It's right on the front page, all the links you need. Go support this event. Nuff said. Twitch.tv slash, or, <laughs> Twitch.tv slash live stream, F-O-R, The Cure. So that being said, that is all I have for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Thank you. Thank you. I'm your host, Ken. I can't stress enough. Go support live stream for The Cure. Thank you, as always, for listening to the ODPH podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We will see you next time.